1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Welcome to On The Bench. This is your host, Brendan Sinone, and a, uh, a different sort of podcast format today, but one I think you guys are going to enjoy. I teased it on the website earlier this week. Uh, joining me today, I have Christian Fowler, the lead writer for Go Tigers 24-7. I keep wanting to say Knowles 24-7 as I've prepared this in my mind like three or four times, so I, I haven't. But but Christian does a really great job uh, covering Memphis for, for us, and he does football, basketball, he does it all. So so Christian, sir, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks,
3: man. Thanks for having me
2: on. Oh, for sure. I've been looking forward to this. And, uh, and you've been kind enough to give us a little bit of your time today to talk about something that you – covered extremely well uh, for the one year Adam Fuller was there. And that is Adam Fuller, now FSU's defensive coordinator. Uh, He was at Memphis for a single season, had a lot of success. And uh, I was telling Christian before we started recording, like if you guys want to learn about Adam Fuller's defense, there's a video on YouTube that that Christian did uh, to help break down some of the scheme stuff that that Memphis did in a really great game against Ole Miss early in the year. And I'll link that to uh, the story that goes along with this podcast. So Christian knows his stuff. And, uh, and he's paid a lot of attention to what Adam Fuller did and, and how he helped turn around the Memphis defense. And, and Christian, maybe we could start there. Uh, before Adam Fuller got there, can you kind of explain to me what Memphis' defense looked like? Uh, Seems like it had been kind of like the weakness of, of the program for the few years leading up to his arrival. Is that fair?
3: No, absolutely. So, I mean, if you if you go back and look at Memphis's offensive history, they've been one of the best offensive teams in the country, you know, over the past four or five years. But the defense is what really held them back, especially two seasons ago. Uh, they still went to the conference championship, but they were an eight and four team. And it was because of that defense. And they ran a three four before Adam Fuller got there um, under Chris Ball, who's now a head coach at Northern Arizona. But it's just they didn't have the right personnel to run the three four. They didn't have big defensive linemen, they didn't have a ton of linebackers who could cover sideline to sideline. Uh, they didn't have outside linebackers who were extremely adequate at rushing the passer, so they wanted to run the three-four under Chris Ball. They just didn't have the personnel. So then, when uh, when when Coach Fuller gets the job, we were all kind of like, "Okay, how's this going to work?" They don't they don't have the defensive lineman to run a three-four. How are they going to get four down linemen? Uh, but you know, him and that staff, they really figured it out very quickly. You you talked about that old Miss game. Uh, when you look off the jump, they held that team to ten points. They played an incredible game. Uh, And I think scheme and game plan had a lot to do with that throughout Fuller's one year at Memphis. So overall, I think we were all very impressed for, you know, for the way that he handled that defense. It's not like they had a big influx of talent that was able to change it. It was, it was basically scheming and, and his defensive mind that changed Memphis's defense last year.
2: When you first got to meet coach Fuller, what were your initial impressions? I just will say, I know, I've been extremely impressed and he seems really thoughtful and thorough. Uh, Fun and funny to hear the, the Boston accent or the Massachusetts accent you'll hear that a lot from coaches but I guess when you first got a chance to interact with him what were your initial impressions
3: yeah same thing that was my first thought was just so thoughtful and and, uh, in the way that he phrased things Mm -hmm. I I think he thinks out what he's going to say very well which I love seeing that in the coach because you I guess you have that old kind of stereotype of a coach just spouts stuff off and is always angry which which in our field we work with so many coaches we know that's not even relatively true you can't be a a high-level football coach. If you're just out there cussing people out and stuff, um, but some coaches are more thoughtful than, than others and and speak better than others. He's very good. Uh, he's very good talking to the media. Uh, you can tell it may not be his favorite thing to do, but he is. He's very thoughtful talking to the media. And then just you know, as a person and as a coach, he wants the best for his players. Uh, he loves his guys. I've talked to other coaches and players about him, and they they all really love the way that he handled himself. Uh, you know, especially coming in for just that one season and and building those relationships, not only with the players, but with the staff. So overall, you know, I, I really enjoyed being around coach fuller for the one year. And, uh, and I, and I think he, I think he enjoyed us as well. Yeah.
2: We haven't gotten into the season yet. So I can't say he hasn't really been short with us at any point, or uh, he seems like he's been actually pretty nice to the media so far. I'm sure when you get into the season though, coaches get a little bit more, more tight. That's just normal, right? Absolutely. So, uh, so, this would be kind of a broad, a broad question, Christian up, uh, what are the basics of his scheme? You mentioned the four man front. So if you have to say like like a, a very broken down fundamental part of his scheme, what does it look like?
3: So uh I'm I'm sure there obviously be different nuances with the different team, but with Memphis, I'm I mean, we, in the American, there's so many spread offenses, so many offenses are gonna try to spread you out. Uh, run between those zones and stuff like that so it is a technical base 4-3 but it was more of a 4-2 in a nickel package it was typically Mm -hmm. more five DBs than it was three linebackers uh, which is just because of of the teams that they were playing against but you do have some games uh, like the navy game when you're playing against uh, an option team that's going to run the ball where you're in a 4-3 base with linebackers Um, but typically he will stand one defensive end up uh, basically whoever he's Whoever, whoever he's sending on a pass rush more towards the quarterback or on the strong side of the defense uh, on that specific play will be standing up. So it would be three down linemen and one guy standing up, looking more like an outside linebacker. As far as the defensive line goes, the thing that I noticed the most, especially that was different from Memphis's 3-4 defense, is there's so many stunts. Coach mm-hmm. Fuller stunted basically on every play. Uh, there wasn't a ton of pass blitzes. They didn't bring in a lot of linebackers or corners or safeties. He did, he did have some blitz packages, but he mainly relied on that front four uh, to bring pressure and it worked more often than not. And then as far as coverage goes in the secondary, uh, they played a lot of man with two safeties over the top. That was pretty much, pretty much their base as far as defense went. Uh, If they were playing more teams, you know, teams with better quarterbacks, more of a passing attack, they would back those corners off to five to seven yards, but mainly it was, it was up in your face. Uh especially when t j Carter was out there, I know he missed uh he missed the last game of the season that's Memphis's best corner really relied on him to play man coverage all year and then possibly they would let another corner corner play off coverage with safety help over the top so uh it's pretty standard basic four three uh or four two five just depending on 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 the set and on the team they're playing but I think it's more of his stunning and just his defensive mind overall that allowed them to be successful last year
2: fuller has said that like you mentioned, there's, there's kind of some hybrid tendencies to what, what he wants to do, and then I think there's one at each level. The Fox defensive end spot, can you kind of run that down for me? Because I've tried to explain it to my uh, readers a few times, and I think they hear Fox, and they just assume it's going to be a quick, wiry guy. Uh, my understanding, though, I and mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Christian, like there's all sorts of different guy types that can play that position depending on how he wants to attack a, an offense that day.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was mentioning about the the defensive lineman that's standing up, that's the Fox position. Uh and it can flip sides. It can be on either side of the field as a right defensive end or left defensive end. Uh, but no, not a small, quick, wiry guy. Memphis Fox for the majority of last year was a guy named Joseph dorseus who is who is not the quickest, fastest, or or you know, smallest. He's not, you know, your six three, two hundred and forty five pound ripped up defensive end. He's a bigger, squattier guy, but he made plays and uh, he's the, he's the fullback, right? Yeah, when, he also he also line. plays fullback. Yeah, <laughs> so he's, he's, not a, he's not a quick twitch type of guy. Uh, but he played a lot of Fox. Another guy, Everett Cunningham, he's uh, about 6'3", 250, 260. He played Fox. Jaleel Clemens a little bit smaller than them. So it's not a specific body frame that plays it. And, and kind of, as you mentioned, uh, it depends on the team, the scheme that they're playing against, uh, what they feel they need. Uh, rushing the passer in that fox position it, with that specific game, so it can change depending on every game. And uh, fortunately for Memphis, they have multiple guys that kind of filled that role last year.
2: All right, so I'm going to get into some listener questions. My uh, my listeners or slash readers were really excited to hear that we were going to be talking to you this week. So they came up with some good questions. I'm going to preface it by saying, uh, one guys be fair to Christian. He doesn't know some of the FSU play players. He doesn't cover FSU, so I'm going to tweak some of those questions uh, a little bit. Uh, And then two, you only had one year to cover Adam Fuller, too. So let's say that like that's some of these questions about what he does from year to year. We're not going to know, obviously, because you have a one year sample size. So I just want to be fair to you, Christian. Uh, Let's see. Rude Boy 80 asks, how did you see the defense improving from prior years that the numbers don't show? We know he improved stats wise, but. Were the players more confident? What improvements were you looking from the defense? Fuller had, or what improvements were you looking for from the defense if Fuller had stayed? So, I guess, what did they do uh, visually, Christian, optically, that looked different? And, and I guess, what do you think if he had a chance to keep building on things, it would have looked like in year two?
3: Yeah, so I think this is something that that we as the media talked about a lot in the beginning of the year because, especially when you're going through camp, there's no stats. You can't say, okay, this the defense is better because X, Y, and Z stats-wise. Uh, so it's something that we looked at through spring ball and then through fall camp. And there was just a different aura kind of around the defense, around the way that they acted, their confidence, uh, the way they came to practice every day, their intensity. So that, that to me was when we learned. We didn't learn that during the season. We learned that uh, in spring and fall camp is that they just had a different intensity. Um, Fuller Fuller had a different intensity than the former defensive coordinator, Uh, he was going to do everything in his power to have a better defense and to take that defense to the next level. And the players bought into that very early on. Like I said, by the time we got in the spring and I think Fuller got there in January. So it was only a couple months. Um, By the time we got there in spring, it was already a very good relationship built between Fuller and the defensive guys, Uh, not only the players, but also the staff. And, and by that point in March and April, they were already a, a different defense. And then even more so in the spring when we saw them. So, I think it's not something where we had to look through the stats during the season because we already saw those differences during the off season and the way that they carried themselves uh, and kind of the intensity that he himself brought. And as far as going forward, um, Memphis, you know, Memphis, uh, I mentioned the 2019 class, they did bring in a lot of guys. I'm not going to go into specifics because I know your, <laughs> your, uh, your audience doesn't necessarily know those guys, uh, but they did bring in a, a bunch of new guys that, that would have taken a big step this year. I think they'll take a big step regardless, uh, but under Fuller with that four-three defense. Because if you guys don't know, Memphis is going back to a three-four under Mike McIntyre. Oh, okay. Uh, I did not know uh, that. Yeah, so it it gets even more confusing for us down here. But you know, I think I think some of those younger guys would have been been able to take bigger steps because he he did let a lot of freshmen play, but uh, we had to, they had some injuries and stuff like that. So as far as year two would have been, I think it would have been uh, some of those younger guys just taking bigger steps under Fuller.
2: You mentioned his in, his intensity. Uh, and I was When I was going back, and I was watching it for the offensive side of things when I was watching Ole Miss in Memphis uh, from, from last year. But there was a, a scene where Memphis gets a huge stop. It was either on third down or maybe in a fourth down stop. And Fuller just got so pumped on the sideline. And he was going over to Norvell, giving him a high five. Uh, you're smiling right now. I imagine that's more than just that one game, though. Is he that juiced up like
3: all the time on the sideline, Fuller? Oh, I, I feel like there was times last year where Norville had to kind of bring him down. That's how <laughs> that's how up he got at points, especially at practice. And and I mean, you know this from from being around programs and stuff. Coaches at practice, they have a different kind of intensity. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a game day intensity where they're where they patting everybody on the back. It's 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 a different type of intensity, uh, and that's that's where Fuller thrives. Fuller brought that energy from day one, uh, and like I said, Memphis's old defensive coordinator was a little bit more even keeled. He didn't act like that. Coach Fuller was on 100 all the time. And I think the players responded to that very well. So he is, he's always on. He's always intense. And, you know, personally, obviously not a player, but for me, I love that. I, you know, in my teams and my, uh, the teams that I prefer, I love ha- having guys with intensity and guys that are always out there talking to their guys and hyping everybody up. And, and that's exactly what Fuller is.
2: Music to the to the ears of, of the FSU fans listening to this podcast right now. As you're going to find out with some of these questions, and it may not be uh, directly evident, but but this fan base has been burned a little bit by some defensive coordinator hires in the last few years. So there's going to be some sensitive source subjects coming up, like a third down defense and stuff. Like I had like five or six questions on third down defense because <laughs> that became a uh, became a thing the last few years, third and long, and you just managed to give up a uh, first down all the time. All right, Crozia55 five, five asks, given the full, given that Fuller was at Memphis for only one season how hard or easy was it for the players to learn what they were supposed to do how did it affect early season play so basically how you know, how does he go about teaching a scheme is it a relatively easy scheme to learn
3: um i think that's you know how i said in the beginning how it was a lot more defensive line stunt there wasn't a ton of complicated blitzes and i think that's because he tried to implement it quickly wanted his guys to learn um And then by the time the season rolled around, they were, they were so good at what he had already taught them. There wasn't, there wasn't necessarily a need to go too much more in depth. So I don't think it's an extremely complicated system at all. I think if you add years, like we were just talking about what year two would have looked, would have looked like under Fuller. I think there would have been some more complicated blitz packages and stuff like that. But, um, I think it is a yeah. I think it's a, a relatively easy easy scheme to learn. Like I said, by the spring we could already tell that they were they were latching on to a new defense after that. All those players mm-hmm. had been in a three four defense their whole career. So I think he breaks it down very well. I think he's a I think he's a very smart, a very well rounded coach. Uh, I've kind of mentioned that throughout this, but I think he's very good at teaching, which is obviously a big a big part of being a coach. So overall, yeah, I think it's I think it's relatively easy to learn, and I think Florida State's guys, much like Memphis, is, will be able to latch on pretty quickly.
2: All right, next up is from TB3Golf714. Given that he has more athletes and stronger depth at defensive back positions at FSU, what can we expect from Fuller from a rotational frequency frequency packaging uh, standpoint? So basically, like, can you give us an idea of, of how Fuller uses defensive backs? Is there a lot of rotating in and out guys? I understand the depth at Memphis may be different than the depth at Florida State, so it's not apples to apples.
3: Yeah, uh, so Memphis was actually pretty deep as far as safety went last year. Okay. Corners corners they got a they got a little dry at a certain point. But yeah, Fuller loves rotating. That's something that we learned early on in that in that old Miss game and in those first couple weeks uh, South Alabama, those those type of games, he rolls safeties a ton and and like I said, Memphis wasn't as deep as corner as I'm sure Florida State is, so they he may want to roll cor- cornerbacks more there. Um, as far as the whole secondary. But at Memphis, it was safeties. I mean, there was five to six safeties playing every game. Um, like I said, Mem- Memphis was deep at that position, so he rolled a lot there. Corners, he probably stayed more, just speaking on outside corners, not adding nickel corners here. He probably three or four outside mm-hmm. corners a game. He didn't roll a ton. TJ Carter pretty much played every snap because he's Memphis' mm-hmm. the best defensive back. Uh, that second corner rotated a little bit, maybe two or three guys a game. But it was at Memphis, it was really safeties that he rolled. He loved playing five, six safeties a game, keeping those guys fresh, um, and that that's kind of how his DB rotation roll, uh, roll, worked out at Memphis. And then as far as the nickel, uh, Memphis had a lot of different nickel cornerbacks last year uh, that kind of rotated in and out, uh, which could be because they didn't necessarily have the best guys in that spot. Okay. Uh, they didn't necessarily have a standout guy at that spot, so it could be different there. But nickel was kind of the same way as that safety position. They rotated and rolled out a lot.
2: You know, I was going through and looking at PFF and some of his, I guess, at, at both Memphis and then at Marshall. And it seemed like Fuller didn't use a whole lot of cornerbacks is what I could gather from that, like you said. Uh, but the safeties were definitely higher. Does he move the safeties around a lot as well? Or are they, I like, guess he, so FSU has two safeties that play like Jaden Lars will be played linebacker last year. He's probably gonna play safety this year. Hamster Nasruline did all sorts of stuff for FSU last year, and I think I'm curious. Like, are those guys going to be moving around under Fuller, or is he going to just kind of keep them in, you know, a free safety and strong safety type of spot and let them just kind of be space covers?
3: Um, so it, this one, was, this one's kind of difficult too, as well, just because <laughs> you know uh, you're going from two di- different teams. Um, but with Memphis, so like I said, five or six safeties a game. Uh, mostly they would stay in their position of free safety or strong safety, but there would be times where he would bring one of those guys up in the box and then bring another guy into their spot. So there's a lot of times where they had three or four safeties on the field at the same time, uh, which is, which is a little bit different or especially a little bit different from what Memphis was used to in prior years. Um, so as far as free safety, strong safety, he'll leave guys in their spot. But if he moves one of them up into the box or into the nickel, because he did use safeties as nickels a lot last year as well, uh, then you'll pretty much see, you know, just four guys rotating at different safety spots. So it's something that can get confusing. I know, because when you look out there and you say, OK, who are the two safeties on the field? And then you say, OK, well, five of those guys are safeties. It gets a little confusing. Uh, but yeah, he will bring safeties up in the box, bring them in into play, in play nickel. I think he just loves using safeties, to be honest <laughs> with you.
2: Yeah. If he loves the hybrid spots, that makes sense. That's a position that certainly lends itself the most to, to different types of players. So, uh, all right, let's take a quick commercial break. Uh, we have about four or five more questions for, for Christian on the other side of it. So we'll be right back in a minute.
4: eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
2: All right, we're back. Wrapping up here with Christian Fowler. Uh, Christian, this question comes from Knowles, 1998 what were some of the red flags about fuller's defense weaknesses were there vulnerabilities that you saw from week to week
3: uh i think this is kind of kind of more on what memphis had like i said they weren't very deep on the defensive line because they were coming from a system where they ran a three four they only played with three down linemen uh so i think a lot of the weaknesses were just seeing guys get injured and not having bodies to fill those spots but what I will say on that is even though Memphis wasn't very deep on the defensive line, uh, Fuller was able to bring guys in and, and coach them up relatively quickly uh, in those positions. As far as real weaknesses go, uh, there's certain things that I don't like specifically just as just as a guy that really knows the game of football and loves the game of football. I don't like when corners play seven and eight yards off. That mm-hmm. uh, drives me insane. I think I think you're just giving up a first down at that point uh you're speaking
2: to you're speaking to the listeners right now they're you're 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 speaking to them in the way they like
3: I absolutely can't stand it and it's something that he did a little bit too much for my liking last year Mm -hmm. just like I said just personally uh and that could have been more off of just what he had personnel wise and if you know not feeling comfortable about certain guys playing bump and run or man coverage um but I don't like seeing that I'd rather a guy get burnt playing man coverage than give up 15 yards every play from playing 10 yards off so just as far as me forgetting to watch him for a year, I would say depth for Memphis was such a problem that it was hard to watch the defensive line at some points. And then uh, just watching corners play eight yards off and bail drives me insane.
2: So this question comes from Chris three 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 three. uh, how quickly does Fuller adjust in game? This is see, this is a part where we're starting to get to people having some, some baggage from previous defensive coordinators. If you, if you couldn't tell Chris, oh,
3: oh yeah. You can tell this is where people get burned. Uh, <laughs> But I, I think he made a lot of good end game adjust, adjustments last season. There were a couple games where it was like, okay, you know, this this looks like this should be fixed and it hasn't been. Uh, but unfortunately, we can't go we can't go in and say, you know, what's going on here. You know, there there could be points and times where there's players hurt where we don't know, uh, mm-hmm. and that causes you know causes them not to adjust or something like that. So there's so many factors that go into it. Um, but for the most part, overall, just for one season at Memphis with 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 what he had. Uh, I think he made very good end game adjustments. I think that was the biggest problem with the prior defensive staff is that they did not make adjustments uh They would be successful in one half and then not change anything and get thirty five scored on them in the second half and that didn't really happen the fuller he he really even when even when Memphis was making plays on defense and and up, he would adjust certain things in the second half uh which which I love to see because i I don't think you can be stagnant at any level of football and expect to be successful so uh, I think adjustment wise, he was he was on par with some of the best, and and I I definitely enjoyed watching it because I've seen it happen the other way around from Memphis in the past. So adjustment wise, I don't think there there are too many concerns about Fuller.
2: So this is kind of related to that, and if it's too similar, we'll just move on from it. But but it kind of falls online with uh, it's interesting thought process here from Burt Reynolds burner. Uh, there were some games when Fuller was great, such as the Ole Miss game and others, where his defense got blown up, such as SMU and Tulsa. Would you say that's a result of him being limited in terms of depth, or Fuller just wasn't uh, on the ball as a play caller that day?
3: Yeah, I think this goes into what I've been saying about mm-hmm. just personnel and depth, honestly. Uh, and, and playing against very good to SMU. SMU's offense was incredible last year. If you look at Shane Bouchelle. Uh, and a couple of those receivers that are now in the NFL, they were loaded at skill position, skill positions, uh, a very, very good offensive team. Every, pretty much everybody expected that to be a, a back and forth offensive game. Um, but I don't think it I don't think it's him getting getting stagnant as a play call play caller. I don't think it's him, uh, you know, just having a bad day. I think a lot of it is the depth, the personnel and then the team that they're playing against. So I don't think there's I don't think there's too much to worry about uh, on that front.
2: All right, moving on. There's another question about the AAC, AAC talent, and and but I think it kind of applies to what we've talked about. So I'll move on to another question here. This is from Brock, 25K. How does Amari? How is Amari Gainer going to be utilized? So so just so you have an idea, Amari Gainer is FSU's stud linebacker. I guess is the position. He's the hybrid linebacker. So is how used him in the spring last year. He was super versatile man. They used him as a Edge defender, he blitz a lot. Uh, he actually had like a positive PFF grade in, in just about every single category. So he was kind of this do it all defender. Uh, how did they use their stud linebackers last year? Was it more the nickel role, or is that a position that lends itself to being uh, versatile and how you can attack attack an offense?
3: Okay, so the the most similar player that Memphis would have had was a guy named Austin Hall, okay. uh, and and they played him at outside linebacker, inside linebacker, safety. Uh, lined him up to rush the passer at some point. So if I if I had to guess, and this is obviously without without knowing too much about about the player, um, I, Fuller knows how to use versatile guys. It's the same thing I talked about Joseph Dorsey as early, who plays fullback and, and defensive end. He lined him up at multiple spots on the defensive line. Uh, so Fuller's not scared to line up his versatile players in multiple spots. Uh, like I said, Austin Hall is about 6'2", 220-ish. Uh, not necessarily the fastest guy in the world, but like I said, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, let him rush the passer, uh, let him play safety, maybe a little bit of nickel. So if, if he has a versatile guy, he definitely knows how to use him.
2: QB asks, UCF fans are very annoying. That is my question. I'm a UCF alum, so they're just throwing that in there for me. Are UCF fans annoying, uh, to you on Twitter when, when Memphis and UCF play?
3: Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty bad. Sorry, guys. We I, I actually, I went, I went down to UCF for the, uh, for the championship game two years ago a- absolutely beautiful it's amazing but uh yeah the fans aren't my favorite i will, i will say that for sure
2: i should have had my ucf national championship mug for this uh, for this interview <laughs> sip it very yeah.
3: slowly and proudly
2: uh, yeah. <laughs> all right last question here from our listeners tampa noel 776 asks, does he blitz a lot mainly on third and long does he play more man than zone or vice versa you've touched on some of this maybe we can focus this question christian on um the third down packages or the past defensive sets, so when it's when obvious passing down, are there a lot of substitutions or differences when, when
3: we're looking at third and long for Fuller? Okay, you, this actually struck something with me because this is one thing <laughs> that aggravated me last year. Sometimes in third and long, he would get way too comfortable. And this, is, this was the one thing last year, and he cleaned up on it throughout the year. Uh, but there'd be times where it's third and long and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's rushing three guys and, and not even got everybody at the sticks. He's playing man coverage or his zone. Uh, and to me, that's a little bit aggravating because if you got a team in third and 18, in my opinion, either bring the house or line your guys up at the sticks. Don't try to do anything cute in between. So there was sometimes earlier in the year where I saw that. Um, and like I said, just as a football guy, that, that aggravates me, but uh, it's something that he cleaned up on at, throughout the year because he got burned a couple of times uh, earlier in the season in, in packages like that. So uh, with this third and, third and long defense, it got better throughout the year. Uh, he started rotating and rolling guys a little bit more and bringing in more of the pass rush specialists on third and long, uh, which which helped astronomically going down the stretch. So it was something that I think he learned from earlier in the year and kind of cleaned up on as the season went on.
2: I'm trying to think of a positive question to end things on, because that's going to freak people out as the, as the yeah. final note. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I just want to say, so I I think that being someone who watches AAC football a fair amount uh, because of my UCF ties, that conference, the offenses you have to face week in, week out, are so diverse. I know it's a lot of spread, but so many different concepts and ways that, that teams uh, attack defenses – What is it the fact that the Adam Fuller was able to have that big of a turnaround in one year, I guess, like how, how much does his game plan change week to week against the different types of spread offense that, that he'd face? Like, is he, is he going to change personnel a lot week to week, or is it going to be more like a wholesale scheme overhaul depending on who the opponent is?
3: Uh, No, it will be more just plugging different guys in different areas. Uh, Like, I can take it back to the to the Temple game, the one game that Memphis lost in the regular season. Uh they do have a lot of spread, but they have a guy named Ramon Davis in the backfield is more of a power runner. Uh so they do a little bit of everything. They switch quarterbacks out. Like you said, the AAC has so many different types of offenses. Uh so in a game like that, he's more in a four-three with the linebacker instead of four instead of a four-two with five DBs. Hmm. Um, and then in a game against Navy, like I said, four three straight up, could be five three. Uh, depending on the down and distance, because Navy runs a triple option, uh, and then against a team like SMU, it's four two with five DBs nearly the whole game because you know that they want to throw the ball all game. Um, so it's not like a it's not like okay this week we're going to run a a three four next week we're going to run a four three and then we're going to run a four four mm-hmm. or four two stack. Uh, so it's it's not like a full overhaul every week. It's kind of like okay what are the strengths of the offense that, that we're playing and how can we pull this guy out and put him in a position to make him successful against a different type of offense. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the strategy that he employed all year last year and, and with so many different offenses, like I said, spread offenses, power offenses, triple option offenses, in the American. I think overall having to adjust to that, I think he did a very good job of, of fitting his scheme to, to the offense that they were playing against on a week-to-week basis.
2: All right. Last, last question I have for you, Christian, and this is a little off topic. that's actually very off topic, but uh, some FSU fans are worried about FSU's recruiting right now. And it's obviously weird times to be recruiting, especially for a new staff in a, in a new state. Uh, what is Mike Norvell like as a recruiter? And, and I guess what, what did he do particularly well on the recruiting trail in Memphis that you can maybe see translating over to, to a different program?
3: So I think with recruiting, especially with coach Norvell is you hear so much coach speak with, with recruiting, it's ridiculous. It's hard to, to kind of funnel through what's real and what's fake. Mm -hmm. And you hear every coach saying, you know, we want the right type of person. And, and that gets old and you can look at, at certain teams. There's another team down in Florida that, that all their coaches have always said, we try to find the right person. And they always have off the field trouble. I think you guys know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's something that, that is Norvell's number one priority. I know f- for a fact there are high-level guys that he has turned away because they have character issues. Um, and So some people that's good news, and some people say, I don't care what your character is, just come play for me. Um, but that, that's his biggest thing. He wants the right type of guys. He wants guys to buy into his system uh, and to his message because he knows if he gets guys that, that buy in and believe in him, he can turn them into quality football players. And I think you saw that in Memphis – like I said, I know of multiple instances where he turned down uh, higher caliber guys and they were landing at the time just because they had off the field concerns. So they had character concerns. So that's the biggest thing for him. Honestly, you'll see, you'll see different nuances with him every year. There's certain things he wants in every class. He wants at least one quarterback in every class. He's going to load up on the offensive line in, in almost every class. Uh, he really believes in the trenches. So uh, with Mike Norvell, there are certain things you'll see every year, but one consistent is that he wants the highest level of character he can possibly find.
2: All right, Christian, thank you so much for your time. This was super informative and educational. I appreciate it. I know my listeners are going to as well. Uh, everyone follow Christian's work, uh, at go tigers, 24 seven. You can follow him on Twitter at C Fowler two, four, seven Christian. Thanks for your time. And really appreciate it.
3: Thanks Brendan. Have a good one, man.